Welcome everybody to the Be More Rugby podcast. Lee's here with us. How are you, Lee? Uh, very well, James. Yeah, good evening, everyone. Um, nice to be back again. So, you know. Absolutely. And um, we've got Amy Humphreys with us. Rugby with Amy, as many of you will know her on social media. Amy, how are you? Yeah, really good. Been a busy few weeks. Been a moving house, moving jobs. So just uh, the whole new year, new me thing started, I think, from March. So, yeah. Oh, from busy, March. But I'm feeling okay. good. <laughs> good. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll come on to um your career hopefully shortly and uh, uh talk about the amazing things that you've achieved so far and the amazing people that you've interviewed as well. Um which those that follow you will probably already be well aware of. But as we do, we'll have a warm-up, um, five, ten minutes, talk about some rugby, uh, six nations, uh, Freddie Stewart, red card, everybody was up in arms about it. Now it's a yellow card. We put out a post on social media, as us youngsters do. Um, and it was very clear that everybody kind of thought it wouldn't have made too much of a difference to the result. Most thought it would still be an island win. Not sure about that. <laughs> Controversial, but I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Um, I mean, first of all, the, the incident itself was just a, what a load of nonsense. You know, for me, it's not. It's, it's a rugby incident. It's not even. It doesn't even warrant a penalty. You know, it was, a, and the way that the um, referee, unfortunately, I thought was guided by his uh, his uh, um, fellow um, uh, touch judges and the video ref, I, it, they just did not come to the right decision at all. Um, and the, um, I'll call it the major showpiece of of the Six Nations. You know, um, uh, it ruined it. You know, mm. we're at a point where um, Ireland were just struggling to almost get away from England, but we were holding on by our by our fingernails. You know, it was it was a really good game. The first half was it was really good, really exciting, and I felt that 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 would have continued in the second half. And I think actually, for me, it would have been a, a, a one score match. You know, so we would have could have ended up the last ten minutes. Uh, England pushing to try and score a try, which uh, which might have ruined Ireland, Ireland's party. But uh, <laughs> however, I'm very I'm very happy for Ireland because you know, they were the best team all the way through. So really happy about that. But really, we've you know rugby's got to look at um, what happens when we have referees making poor decisions. And uh, at a point where we're trying to grow the game and get everyone's interest in the game, you know, right? Yeah, there's lots of people who would have been tuning in who are not day-to-day -day rugby fans. And and that game was ruined by one poor decision. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm disappointed from that point of view, but I'm very, uh, very happy for Ireland. Yeah, sure see, my mum's my Irish, my dad's English. So <laughs> I, I, it was a win-win situation for me. But, um, yeah, I'm really happy for Ireland. I think, like you're saying, consistency was key with them. The fact that they... They were showing up strong in all of their games, you know. In England, we we weren't, you know. <laughs> Look at us against France, you know. What I don't know what happened then, but you know, if fair play, if we've been strong throughout the Six Nations, and this could have been a little bit more of a close call, or could have meant a lot more in terms of positioning and things, but it wouldn't have particularly made a difference that way. But I do think, in terms of like the red card, um, he was just bracing for the kick, really, wasn't he? So it wasn't. It, it wasn't a red card, in my opinion. And obviously now you can see that it wasn't meant to be a red card anyway. Um, and yeah, that, that plays a massive part on the game. Losing a player, you know, um, playing against Ireland, going through like a whole half without, without um, you know, 14 players. 
is going to affect you. But I agree. I agree. They came out so strong, like the momentum at the start. You could see it was a whole different mindset. I don't know what chat they had had, <laughs> but the the mindset was completely different. So it could have been a different could have been a different game. But it's one of those could have, would have, should have. But at the same time, um, we don't want to be too like. Um, detailed in like structure and stuff because that's when you start losing the game um and the momentum and people like it to be entertaining and the stoppages and all of that it, it plays into that so I think we want rugby to be safe but we want it to also be entertaining and keep momentum going so there's a fine balance um and on this occasion the wrong call was made yeah definitely do you think it was a wrong call to have um, put out that it had been rescinded and, and reduced to a yellow? I mean, I know he wants to play rugby and the, and there's, you know, ramifications for a red card versus um, different ones for a yellow. But when a, when a result, when, when a decision's made like that, it, it almost feels like it makes a bit of a mockery when you go back on it and say, well, actually, you know, we're going to change this now. Should it have just stood and they just went, okay, bad decisions are made, live with it. I think, well, it, you know, it kind of placates the masses because uh, the majority of people, you know, are, are dead sure it was not a red card. Whatever else they think it might have been, it definitely was not a red. So I think that placates those people. And also they have to be careful as well because, you know, you're looking at uh, Jacko Piper and you, you have to try and they have to try and support the referee as well. So he's made a decision. And to be fair, he's not made it alone. He's made it with, with, with the support of his, uh, of his, of his the, the group around him. And I just think he's fallen foul of them not guiding him in the right way. You know, um, that was an out-and-out rugby incident, which, you know, you get week in, week out, wherever you go in the country. You know, um, who was it? it was Mac Hansen what, running sideways across the pitch, threw the ball forwards on the floor, you know, right? And it, and he was just trying to recover it. And Freddie Stewart was there. He has, what, 0.1 of a second to react? Tries to turn his body away, you know, and ends up ends up hitting his, his elbow onto uh, onto onto the head, you know, and it's just it was just a really really bad decision. But anyway, getting back to your point, James, um, yeah, I think probably for me the right thing to do is the decision stands. It's a bad decision, but we have to live with it. However, it does mean that Freddie gets to play uh, yeah. this week mm. if, yes. if if the club lets him. That is. As you're quite close to a lot of the players, Amy, in and around the games. Was there any reaction to that in the, the professional setting? Yeah, not from like the players themselves. I guess they're um, on media rest a lot of the time during that sort of phase if they're going for international games. So there's only certain people you can speak to and they're the people that are playing um, the Prem games and the club games. So we don't directly hear from them. They probably... Are told not to comment even if they have their opinions and I'm sure they had their opinions on that and like you're saying there just wasn't enough time to react so it wasn't like it was a high tackle or a dangerous move it was that it was a brace for some sort of impact and the impact happened to be a head injury so and and that was probably more down to the player not looking up <laughs> at that space or you know so you could almost say was it was you know the responsibility for for you to as a player to also be aware of the space you're running into and um yeah so from from the players themselves but I know from the media world it was a big talking point wasn't it um and we've seen that on 
on socials on on um, like news blogs and things like that so it was definitely a big talking point um but then again like I said I do think Ireland earned that through like throughout the whole Six Nations and to get a Grand Slam like it's just amazing and to get to get it at home you know at the Aviva Mm. is um huge huge for them so it's keeping that momentum going and i'm hoping that momentum's gonna go into the women's game so that we can start to see a more competitive six nations for the women as well because obviously now we have uh, a lot more clubs that are a pro contracted full-time athletes now so i'm hoping for a more competitive which equals more entertaining women's six nations um this year and you know Again, if Ireland women can get the momentum from the men, you never know what's going to happen there. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to keep that going. I'm really excited for the Six Na- the Women's Six Nations this year because it's the last few years the women's game has been such a um, a different spectacle. And, and I think respect where respect is due, um, the legend that is Sarah Hunter is retiring. Um, what an era she's seen through through rugby and and how much it's changed and how influential she's been um within the game i just i couldn't help this podcast couldn't want this podcast to pass without saying um fair play to her because what a player what an inspiration to rugby players of all ages and all sexes um a, a proper proper legend and it's a of course people have to retire um it's just a shame when someone like Sarah Hunter does. But you've met her, you've talked to her. Um, have you talked to her about her retirement coming up? So I haven't seen her since that was announced, but I went to the England press conference and um, they were announcing the Six Nations squad. And Simon was saying that Sarah Hunter definitely wouldn't be at the World Cup. So we kind of had a bit of an inkling as to, we know she's definitely retiring at that point, but we didn't. We actually thought it would be after the Six Nations. Um, so, but I think I love that she did her last game where she started playing. So it wasn't necessarily like an international game that she stopped at. And I mean, 140 caps. You can't you can't be um, like upset about that, can you? That's just an incredible number, and it's in in the history of international rugby to be the most capped player is is definitely a title worth carrying with pride as you leave. So. Um, and even just the way when she surpassed Rocky Clark, um, the way she handed that over was so professional and she really gave Rocky the, resin- like the, um, what's the word? <laughs> when, you know, the recognition, that's the word, um, that she deserved from that. And the way she handles um, interviews, press, it's always very genuine, very heartfelt. You could just tell it was she was playing from pure passion and players like her that have played for so long, especially in the women's game. They're the people that like absolutely love what they do because she, she did that when there was no support for women and there was no pay for women. She still, you know, turn up on top of working to get all of those caps to now leave in a situation where rugby's in a whole different whole different space for women I mean she's kind of seen it grow massively so I think she must be really proud of 
seeing how how that's all changed from the start of her career to now so I think she can leave knowing she's made history and she's made a massive difference and inspired a lot of young girls and and women in the sport definitely she's someone that inspires me to keep keep going even if you feel like you're getting older <laughs> and um your injuries are getting worse she was like no keep going so um so yeah she's she's incredible absolutely I agree with that um I mean for us older ones we can remember when and the women games come on so far but you know when she was you know, first got captaincy, even before she got captaincy of England, um, you could just tell there was something special about her way back then. Just incredible player. Um, right. I think we'll probably move on then with our first half. Um, just to introduce again, Amy Humphreys um, on social media. She's rugby with Amy, uh, rugby journalist, content creator, social media manager, which We'll probably come on to because Lee probably doesn't know what that is. No, I've got no, I've got the source and dictionary around somewhere. Mate. I don't, don't know if it's on there either. So, um, you've worked with <laughs> All Carrier most recently, you've started working with Canterbury. Um, you've got all your social, your own social media channels. You've interviewed the greatest and the best players around the world. Um, you've got what 36,000 followers on TikTok and 19,000 on Instagram and views of. 1.7 million on things and stuff that Lee doesn't understand. Oh, we can only dream of things like that, James. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> all, all at the same time as playing for um, old Albanian saints at the same time. So busy, busy, busy career you've got. When you say it like that, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I realise how much I do. Sometimes you, um, you don't realise until you actually lay it out like that. But yeah, I mean, it all started because I played rugby and I guess that's where the passion starts. And um, there's obviously so much that has happened, but the fact that my job even exists is crazy uh, for the rugby industry and for the women's rugby industry to have, to be able to create content uh, for women's rugby and men's rugby and social media as a full-time job just shows you how much the game has grown for women out there to the fact that this is even a role um and you know I had to create that role from scratch so but you know things like that is creating a pathway for other girls in the future to be able to say that's what I want to do when I grow up so um and we are seeing young girls starting to sort of do what we're doing now and um honestly I feel like they do it a lot better than me half the time but um yeah so so started playing rugby when I was 12 and I got in into it through school, uh, which is actually quite rare for, for girls, um, especially um, over 10 years ago as well. So um, I think that was probably mainly down to my PE teacher being into rugby. <laughs> so I think maybe if that wasn't the case, it wouldn't have been pushed as hard in my school, but really got into it. And I think I was hooked on the contact element of it and the excitement, the adrenaline, the risks that come with it. It was all part of, why it felt so incredible to play um and yeah from there went into play play um as a woman as well so yeah play for OA Saints which is an incredible club and uh, we have 75 women registered with us which is huge huge numbers that's um, and that's just amazing our women. really amazing yeah 
yeah and that's that's just our women we have juniors and the um younger girls as well on top of that so i'd say you're looking close to 200 um girls or and women within the club um which is is huge we have uh luxuries of having sarah mckenna england fullback as our coach and rocky clark playing for us slash coaching at times um and then we have saracens we're um we're affiliated with saracens as a club so we we're playing in champ one and our twos are about to be promoted to champ two so we're champ one and champ two um, and then from there, you, you've got Prem, Saracen. So a lot of our girls are dual registered as well, so they can play up. And if they're recovering from injuries, they can come and play some games. Hence why Rocky Clark was propping for us the other day, um, <laughs> recovering from injuries. So we, we're quite happy when that happens. Um, so, yeah, an incredible family is the word for it, really. Community that comes with that. Um, so it's more than just that you turn up and play a sport when you've got that many incredible people around you it's your lifestyle um so yeah it's it's amazing place to be at really supportive so and is your your family not into rugby then is that you didn't get in because you had parents or siblings or anything like that it was just through school you just yeah just through just through school i um i struggled at school with my like behavior so i was um very naughty i think my mum and dad um so my sister and my brother had heart conditions growing up and my mum said I was the most stressful child <laughs> because I was just so naughty <laughs> and she did not know what to do with me but that was when I found sport and sport was like my it managed to ground me somehow and release this energy that I had um which nowadays um in schools you'd probably be given the opportunity to learn in different ways so I was a visual learner I was a practical person a creative person so I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to just sit there in a classroom but I would be able to move around and and do stuff so I'm sure nowadays it, school would maybe be a little bit more enjoyable for me but it was like my escape really from everything that was going on I was able to just get my head down and you know I was good at it as well so I enjoyed I enjoyed the satisfaction of winning a game or the fastest girl in the school and you love all of those all of those things you can get really so um my mum was just like please do as many sports as you possibly want to do <laughs> as long as you get out of trouble so I did gymnastics to a national level I did um rugby and just like badminton any after school club I was there um but I grew up doing gymnastics really that was my main thing and then I went into rugby which is very very different um but yeah, actually, my I'm quite open about the fact my family aren't supported, supportive of my rugby playing because the fear of uh, parents, like a lot of parents have the fear of their young girl playing um, a contact sport. So um, they, they're, like, they're just worried about the injury side of things, but they can see how much it does for me in terms of more than just my physical health, my mental health, my social life, and they support that. Um, but I just don't think they could watch me get tackled. I think that's the thing. Um, they're very supportive in terms of um, my career, but not necessarily the playing side of it, um, which I think a lot of parents can probably relate to. Um, do you, do you think that's a barrier? Do you think that, that is a major barrier for girls playing? Massive. Yeah, massive I, I, I agree. I absolutely, absolutely agree. 
Um, yeah. And it's one of those things to try and um, promote the fact that the, the, the pros far outweigh the cons. Yes, there is potential for things to happen. However, you know, they don't happen all the time. And in fact, they're quite yeah. rare, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. But so it's how so how would you how would you promote that how would you you know um talk to a, a parent who's concerned about their uh child their child playing yeah absolutely like you said for me i think what would i be doing if i wasn't doing this and i don't think the i don't it's not like oh she'd be doing a different sport like i don't think i'd be in a good place that's the reality of it is i'd probably be in a dark place I'd probably be in the wrong friendship group. I'd probably be doing the wrong things. And my childhood was heading that way, like massively. Um, you know, like I was drinking at school when I was like 12 and I was like breaking out of school. I got expelled. I was just like going the wrong way massively. Yeah. Um, and you sort of laugh about, oh, I was naughty at school, but like it could have turned really nasty. And I think if it wasn't for rugby, but not just, it wasn't just sport, it was rugby in particular that helped me because it channeled all this energy I had, it channeled my like aggression, it, it channeled my um, need to feel accepted, to feel confident in my body. I was always really tall, taller than everyone else at school. I was bigger than everyone else. Um, and I think no matter what I did, I never felt like accepted, like I fit in. And rugby was that one thing that was like, like the fact that I'm, I played from 12 and I'm still playing now, just goes to show how much of an impact that can have and it definitely like outweighs outweighs the the cons and you can get injured gymnastics I got more injuries than I did playing rugby so that just sort of sums sums up um you can either live in fear or you can do things that benefit you and your life and um you know things can go wrong in any situation in life if you you know if you sort of think I'm not going to try that because that could potentially go wrong it's like that's not a way to to live and get the most out of life. So to it's, this day, it's I would never change. Glass half half full, half empty scenario, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you know, and life's here, life's here for living. You get one go at it. Um, you know, go and have a crack, enjoy yourself. You know, um, yeah. in, interesting. You're, you're sort, you know, that that backstory you've just just set to talked about. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people people that that have got similar backstories. You know, whereby they were, like you said, the wrong friendship groups. They were starting to get into the wrong things. You know, drinking at, at you know at younger ages and, and whatever. Um, although I can't say too much about drinking, to be fair. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but suddenly, suddenly, yeah, you can get on that slippery slippery slope. And uh, rugby mm. does give you that channel, that uh, that opportunity to express yourself and you know get your energy out there and and really try and feel part of something different. So that's no, really really interesting, Amy. Yeah. So when your parents realised that rugby was perhaps a benefit to you um, at school, especially, but you, you said they didn't support you, they but they wanted you to go and play sports. They must have, they must have swallowed hard then to, to just continue to allow you that space to go and do something that you loved that, that perhaps worried them a bit. Yeah. Like, for example, when I did gymnastics, I'd come home crying from training because I never felt like I was good enough or I'd felt that the coaches were pushing me to do things I was fearful of and things. It wasn't like a an accomplishment. It was like I did things out of fear. <laughs> so it was like, and my dad was always like, Amy, you don't have to do this. You don't have to go to gymnastics every day, you know? And I was like, oh, okay, kind of thing. Like, okay, I'm going to stop now. And I was 15 when I stopped. So I did do it for a long time. 
Um, but yeah, with with rugby, it was I was I chose to be there every day. Like it was me that wanted to be there. It was me that put extra practice in when training wasn't on, and that is so different for me. And I think also for some like. I struggled to stick at one thing. That was also my my situation. Um, I struggled to be like consistent and I struggled to keep a routine. Um, so the fact that I wanted to put every all my energy into rugby was really like it wasn't common for, for me to, to feel like that. So it was it was definitely this is something different from what she's tried before. Um, and yeah, I think he he was always just like your you can make your own decisions this is up to you um you know we'll love and support you and we're here for you when you you need a trip to A&E <laughs> but we just don't want to watch it happen you know so it was and to be fair I I think I play better when people aren't watching like if my mum or dad was watching me play a match I think my nerves would overtake me or I wouldn't be as over like so I quite like that it's like me in my little bubble even though you're with your team and everyone else, I kind of feel like I can just be myself and no one's watching me. I don't really care. And um, I'm not doing it for anyone. I'm doing it for myself. And it's sort of um, that sort of side of things. So, and, and now, you know, they say, they say they don't support me, but they'll post pictures of me playing rugby. And when they meet their, when they um, have their friends over for dinner, they'll say, Oh, she had a rugby match at the weekend. They find it a cool thing to tell everyone. So I'm like, I, you like it really deep down. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm really um, that story to be honest with you, especially around your parents. Um, there's there's such a bravery in a parent allowing a child to go out into the the big bad world and stand on their own two feet and experience what tough is because life is tough and it's not going to get any easier. And and I've I've read a lot of psychology around parents that are perhaps a bit overprotective and don't want them to go and hurt themselves and they they mother them and and mollycoddle them and protect them to the point that they're too afraid then to go out to the big bad world and I and I think and I look around today in society and see so many people that are that struggle with their mental health and I just wonder sometimes whether if they like yeah. you had had that freedom a little bit just to go out and do something that took some guts to for you to go and stand on the rugby pitch and and put yourself against somebody else running at you gives you that strength gives you that ability to go into the world and and go you know what actually if i can do this i can do anything so fair play to your parents because you know like you say they might not be and my girlfriend's the same she keeps on to me all the time about the fact that i'm still trying to play rugby at my ridiculous old age about being careful and and I, and I love the fact that she cares, but she said I had to go to the gym to get prepared for the game the other weekend, and I ended up putting my back out and cracking a rib, and I hadn't even got on the pitch yet. So the no, gym's yeah. dangerous. No, it's too it dangerous. Is dangerous. Yeah. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but no, fair play to your family. So moving on from school, you went to was it? Did you go straight to um, AO to to play rugby from school, or were you already part of? Um, so I actually did play rugby for a little bit in in between and I think that's another thing that happens so girls will necessarily have an opportunity when they're younger and the the percentage drops massively from girls into women because I think that's a transition where you have to try and find a club and then 
sort of move over and a lot of people will stop after school or college um and that's sort of a drop-off point we find with women taking up the sport so I think where I'd loved it so much at school I had that but when I started working I just it was like it it sort of phased out because it was like in my head it was like something I did at school and not something I did in my life so I think there was a there was a gap where I was sort of working and actually a colleague that I was working with she um come up to me and was just saying oh I play rugby at Bletchley and she was like do you want to come um come along to training with me we're doing like a inner warrior day so I was like yeah okay I used to love rugby at school and that was like my thing I used to love rugby at school and then I went back and um, my coach was Rocky Clark, <laughs> funny enough, um, when I was, yeah, so I was like 17 then and I restarted, so I played for Bletchley. So did you go from there then to Old Albanians and is that sort of when it was you starting to think actually I want to take this a bit more serious now or or was it immediate I'm back into it and I love it and want to move forward? Yeah, I think at first it was like just to get back into it, get into like the social element meet friends, have a hobby, because I didn't really have a hobby at that time. It was sort of work, go home, <laughs> repeat. Um, so, and I worked in healthcare, so I think I needed like an outlet um, that was just for me and something I could focus on for myself. So it was just sort of a hobby, social at first. And then um, then I joined Hitchin. We, like, it was that was competitive. We were, you know, undefeated for two years at one point at Hitchin. Wow. So we did well. Yeah, um, we got promoted twice and won twice those leagues. So um, really good time there. And then I um, had a lot of friends at OAs and I knew OAs were, you know, thriving in their, in their women's programme and um, the coaches that they had and then also the level they were playing at. Um, and I went to training a few times and I just felt like it was this like whole nother level of training that I hadn't experienced before and just like a lot of fast paced high high intensity people were serious people were there to work hard and challenge each other you know work on skills there were people that were like hanging around at the end and just going off in groups being like can you teach me this can you and it was just like a really buzzing environment um and then yeah I've been there two and a half years now so um, absolutely love it it's it's a great club um and then yeah so so you and perhaps lee and i will get schooled a little bit now in in exactly what it means to be um a content creator in two old guys that grew up without that sort of thing every day's a school yeah. James, you know that's that, it yeah talk to us about how you how you create it because and i know this is self-create created your your career which is which is so inspiring and, and, and impressive tell us how that works how did you become the rugby uh, with amy internet star that you are uh so it was lockdown that really initiated the whole thing because tiktok got sort of popular over lockdown i'd say like it existed before that and there were apps similar to it prior to it as well but it was kind of known as this dancing app um and some people um that don't really understand social media will still call it this dancing app but it's progressed on massively now and it's sort of a news outlet um it's it's a space for influencers for ambassadors for sales for marketing 
for brands, for sponsorships. It's like a huge platform now. Um, but in lockdown, everyone just sort of downloaded anything that was going to entertain them from home. Um, you know, there was a house party and all of these cool apps that were coming out. And I think TikTok spiked massively in that time. And I followed um, Sam Love, Sam Love, Love it, um, who also is a content creator that now I worked with very, very closely. But I followed her as just a rugby fan or a rugby player. And she inspired me to start making uh, content on, on TikTok. So there wasn't anyone else that was doing it. So I'd, I'd listen to sounds and be like, I could relate that to rugby and make a funny story out of that. Or so many funny things happen in rugby, like in the ruck where your arm and your head are trapped between someone's legs and you're, you're all of these funny things. And you think there's so much potential to make people laugh and to relate to people, but also at the same time, tell people about the sport that I love and try and get more women to see, to be exposed to it and sort of think of it as a normal option and not like, wow, you play rugby. I didn't know women could play rugby, you know, all of that. So think of it more as a, just a normal option and just to grow the game. I knew TikTok, the reach and the capacity of the people that you could, you could reach with your content was millions. Um, and I just thought, you know, I'm sure there's some sort of way I could promote the sport through this. Um, and as a, as a kid, I made like videos and stuff and I would do like cribs when I was on holiday. I'd go like, this is my caravan. This is my holiday home. So I'd be very into like video making anyway. So I think I always had that kind of like creative sort of presentary uh, vlog kind of personality. And then I just found... I could put that to use, but with a niche that I'm passionate about, which is rugby. And I think for anyone thinking of starting uh, content creation, it's find a niche because if you just film your whole life, it's a bit random and people kind of need to relate to you. And I think when you get big enough, you can film anything and people are interested in you as a person. But until that point, I would say like find a niche. So if you're into boxing and you want to review boxing matches or um, you're into discovering athletes from before they're pro, like that could be your niche. So I think rugby was, women's rugby was my, my niche and there wasn't many people covering that at the time. And there still isn't now, to be honest, but um, I'm sure there will be in the, in the year's time. Um, so yeah, basically started posting videos with funny sounds relating it to rugby and um, I then made an Instagram account to also just post rugby stuff because I had my personal one, which is a bit of rugby and a bit of life. And I thought, let me just do one just for rugby. And then people who find me on TikTok can also find me on Instagram. So um, and then, yeah, I think I did my one of my first videos, like got like 250K views. And I was like, whoa, I didn't know this could reach this many people. And I think it was a little bit addictive. <laughs> I was like, wow, I wonder if I could reach more and da 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 da. So, um, yeah, and it kind of got, got to that point. And um, basically, from doing it as a fun side hobby to it becoming a job, it was the Women's Six Nations last year that changed that for me. So, for me and probably a lot of other creators, so prop life and sam and stella and people like that that are in this space we all 
were able to go into it from the women's six nations and that was when things changed from it being a hobby to actually doing it full time um so tiktok sponsored the women's six nations it's a four-year deal which is huge um so they've been the first brand i'd say to really invest in the women's game properly because they're not just saying we'll we'll put some money behind a campaign or we'll sponsor your kit it was like here's a four-year deal um for the women's six nations it was also the first year that the women played separately to the men not at the same time as the men so it was going to have its own coverage as well so it, its own opportunities uh, to be broadcasted so I think from there TikTok themselves invited us down to the women's six nations launch um last year and we covered content with we had one captain from each nation um and we did some content with each of them and then after at the so when I was there in London at this launch um I was still working in healthcare so I was working with people with dementia um, in care homes. So I was working in like a dementia nursing home at the time um, doing care. And that morning I was working in the care home and that afternoon I was at the, at the Six Nations launch. So it was a very like hectic life. And I remember when I was at the launch, I thought someone, this is someone's job to do this. I was like, and I don't know how they got this as a job, but I was like, there must be a way that I could do this full time. There must be a way. And uh, I knew how much the game was growing. So I literally just Instagram messaged companies that I wanted to work for um, world rugby, England rugby. Like I just put a message out there and ball carrier was someone I messaged and they were the first people to get back to me within a couple of days and um, asked for a zoom call had a chat, they could see how passionate I was, how creative I was, all the ideas I had, the channel that I'd created that had sort of grown. And they were like, let's bring you on board to, to cover the women's game and let's see how it goes. And then from there, it just took off, I think, because there was a massive gap and a need for that market at the time. So yeah, it's, a, it's weird when you explain to people, you go from healthcare to TikTok, but that is that is where it landed. <laughs> it's it's always difficult. I mean, I understand the social media space well, but for people like Lee, um, it's difficult to to watch someone like yourself and go, "How are they making a living from this?" They're just they're I was making... going to ask that question actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote it down. <laughs> making, Give you some tips. Making money from making videos. <laughs> yeah. So um, so is it is it just a case of because um, you mentioned uh, Stella Stella Mills. Um, who actually is a um, local girl to us. Um, and we've sort of, because of that, sort of watched her journey through um, uh, much the same as, as yours. Um, I mean, for a start, wow, that must have been an amazing feeling when you got a, a message back from Ball Carrier saying, hey, come on board with us. Yeah. Um, but as a career, like you say, it's, it's something that really hasn't even been a career for very, for very many years. How do you feel um, as a social media content creator? How do you feel your career kind of stacks up against the career you had when you were in healthcare? 
Yeah, so for people that worked in healthcare know that you don't do it for the money. That's the first thing. You do it because you love people and you want people to have the best quality of life they could possibly have. Um, you know, I worked very passionate about dementia from family and things like that. So that was something that I just naturally I felt like if people would say what's your calling like I feel like that was my calling in life was to look after people and it felt very natural to me and I loved it um and I do think they're skills in life that you will never lose um and I always recommend like if anyone can just work in care for a week you'll learn so much about yourself about life and I will one day like I will volunteer I will go back like I miss it um, in terms of the people but I know that I'm using those skills in anything that I do so that's why even in you think how can rewarding how can working in content on social media be rewarding and it's like well 14 year old girls messaging me saying we started a rugby club at our school because if we watched your videos it's like that's still the same feeling awesome. that you get <laughs> yeah so literally she said me and six friends went to the head teacher and said we want to start a girls club we've got six of us can we start one and then see who else joins and now they've got a full-blown uh, after school club women's rugby at their school because they watch my videos and things so you can still use these skills and it can still be rewarding but in a slightly different way so um and in terms of how do you make money making videos on TikTok and things? And I'm like, again, open to talking about, to talk about that. And I think brands are investing in women's rugby because um, ultimately if they don't, it's almost like, why aren't you covering it? Like, what is the excuse as to why you're only focusing on the men's game when the women's game is breaking records at the moment and is, you know, recruiting massively more than the men's game currently, which is actually decreasing in, yeah. in, in participation. So it's like instead of, you know, the majority are still men, but what can we learn from the fact that the girls are doing things differently to how things have always been done? So I think it's let's learn from each other in terms of that and see it as rugby, not men's rugby girls rugby women's rugby it's like it's just we're rugby fans we're rugby players and seeing it in that in that light so I think there's a lot people can learn from that but brands like I said and now it's sort of like if you don't cover it then why um and I think a good way in is not necessarily if they can't access athletes they can access us who um is open to be able to take people behind the scenes, take people with us to training, show people what a day in a life looks like as a rugby player, show people why we love it, um, a bit of humour, a bit of fun with it and, you know, use our creativity. So they'll basically, a brand might approach, uh, approach us and say, you know, we want to showcase women's sport more, women's rugby, team sports. Um, and we'd come up with a concept idea. So basically we come up with the idea, we feel the idea we edit the idea and then we'll post it and obviously they get access to firstly the idea itself because a lot of people don't know where to start secondly the views the followers the engagement that you get after it um and then thirdly they're now a respectable brand within within the industry as well to say that they're covering that so we'd get paid to do a video or whatever and if you're freelance you're looking to get lots of those uh, whereas for me, I'm full time in a, a job. So I have the security of having like a full time job. And then on top of that, I can have freelance opportunities. So 
it's not like my only source of income. So it's, it's a little bit more of a secure way of doing it, but you do then have to turn down some freelance things because of time. So it depends on which route you want to go down and different people have chose different ones. Um, but this seems to work for me best really at the moment. So yeah. <laughs> I, I must admit, I caught a lot of the, um, uh, the content creators I watch in and around rugby, especially the female content creators are, are more focused on the female game, but you seem to be across rugby full stop, um, yeah. which is, you know, I'm not saying anybody has to pick a side or, or, or not, but it's, it's just interesting to see how some focus in one area and um, you're, you know, brought across, across rugby full stop. Um, and yeah. actually it brings a different dynamic to the men's game as well. Yeah, definitely. I think if like I'm part of my message is like rugby should just be rugby. I should also be covering men's to prove that point. Um, so, you know, if I just cover cover women's, then I'm a women's rugby fan. So that's what I'd have to call myself. So if you just watch men's rugby, you're a men's rugby fan. You're not a rugby fan. So it's I'm a rugby fan, so I can cover both. And I think it's important for me to to be present and you know I'm quite proud when I'm standing there interviewing these people thinking I'm a woman and I've earned my space to be here and you know that kind of to be able to represent the sport as a woman in a male dominated sport and to be able to interview and talk to these people um, and I think you get a lot of respect for players from that which also equals they'll give you a lot more time um, and I think because they also you know, want to see the sport grow. And, um, you know, the, the players I speak to, they're like the best male allies as well. They, they're really passionate about the women's game. And I think that's not showcased enough either. Um, and when you talk to them, they, they also are really passionate about the same, the same thing that we are. So um, it is it's good to speak to them. And yeah, like, I think the person probably that I spoke to most is probably Sia Khaleesi. He, um, has actually become someone that we speak quite regularly and he's really really nice and down to earth and obviously he has his foundation which he the Khaleesi foundation which he runs um and his clothing brand and things on top of that and he puts a lot of time into helping me uh, develop and also giving me access to things and that's a male ally it's not just like someone who who plays it's like someone who's investing in people like me um and yeah showcasing the game and being open to be interviewed and talk openly and things so um you know he's even given me ideas for a podcast and stuff like this and I'm like I can't I don't have the time for all of that but <laughs> like he's, he's got ideas that he can't do because he plays and if he finds people that like have the same passion as him he sort of wants to help with his ideas that he might not have time for so players will generally another one's probably Lewis Ludlam as well, Northampton Saints, so, like an incredible guy who who spoke at the beginning of um, the Loughborough Lightning game about the women's game growing. And he, and he comes down before and he watches the women. And again, another great male ally. And I think that's not shown enough. And, and the fact that I can be there interviewing these men and saying, actually, they're shouting about the women's game. It's not It's not what you think. It sort of shows rugby in a different light. So I think if I can help that then it's great yeah, that's brilliant really brilliant um 
conscious of time, so I think we're going to call half time. Um, just do a couple of quick announcements. Bridge North Rugby Club, they've been in touch. They're currently trying to develop a new clubhouse because they've got a real growing uh, mini and youth side, which are struggling for changing rooms and uh, facilities. So they're trying to fund it themselves. They've got a crowdfunder page out, which um, if you Google Bridge North Rugby Club crowdfunder page, you may well find it. Um, either that or get in touch with Bridge, uh, Bridge North Rugby Club and, and support them in any way you can. Um, also, um, delighted that um, Be More Rugby was featured in the Dorset Spotlight magazine, which is a free bi-monthly magazine that celebrates sporting achievements um, and um, health and well-being throughout Dorset. Um, shout out to uh, Dawn Exley, the founder and editor. Um, go and find it on www.dorsetspotlight.co.uk. Check out page 29. Lee gets a mention. Do I? Yeah, you, you didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't. I'm going to have a look at that now. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody, we're trying to promote grassroots rugby. If you've got anything to shout about or something you need help with, please get in touch with us at uh, info at bmorerugby.com or on any of the social medias, bmorerugby or at bmorerugby or whatever they are. Um, that's how much we know about social media. Something I'm learning. More rugby, I'm learning. You'll find it. Yeah. Um, get in touch with us, tell us what you want, um, promoting, and we'll do our best to give you the support we can. So, second half is where we talk to our guest about um, the help, support, um, how rugby's influenced, um, and uh, giving them skills that they can take out into the big wide world of business or personal life. Um, Amy, we like to start the second half off, and I know you've talked about how rugby's helped you, etc. But the question we like to start off with is, what does rugby mean to you? Nice. I would struggle to answer this one because it's um, a lot of diff different things, I guess. But um, for me, it's like, like I, I've said before, it's sort of my escape and my little alone time that I can um, just let go of the busyness of life and just get my head down and just focus on myself in that moment. And I think for someone who um, has suffered with anxiety and, and things in the past, I think to be able to just get, get out on a rugby pitch and sort of focus on just carrying that ball and the next tackle and the next thing, it sort of is a little break for me, um, even though it's a physically demanding, it's a break for my mind. So for me, um, yeah, it's my escape. That's how I always sum it up. Yeah, you kind of have to be in the moment, don't you? You know, there's nothing you can't uh, but get distracted by what, whatever else might be going on in your life. You know, once you're in, the, once the whistle goes, you're in the game. You know, yeah. it's live. You know, there's opposition out there who are hunting you down. You know, so yeah, you you've got to be on it, haven't you? So no, it's, it's, definitely, it's, that's the difference I think in in rugby to other sports that I've tried is. You don't have time <laughs> to, to overthink because you've, you've, you've got someone chasing you or you've got to chase someone, you know. So it's like just the next thing. Um, and, you know, the lead up to games are always going to be nerve wracking. But like you said, as soon as that whistle blows, it's like, right, what's next? You know, and, and it's just a nice way to focus on the moment in life. No, that's really cool. And, and like you touched on in the first half, um, you know, you were 
very open about the fact that you were in a dark place at, um have been in dark a dark place and and rugby's brought you out we've had other guests that have referred to rugby as um uh, a lighthouse of hope that just gave them something to look towards and guide them out of those dark dark times and give them some some guidance if you like really really like that um all right so uh, yeah it's just next next question um amy so um for you um what have you learned from rugby that has helped you most oh i like that um have a think <laughs> about about this one but um probably that self-belief i guess it's sort of the confidence that it gives you in the self-belief but um i i guess like i'm gonna say it people my generation or younger i feel we give up too easily um and we're a little bit like it doesn't work out like oh i won't bother again and i think it's taught me a bit of discipline and being like this is you have to push push through like the the rubbish times and like tolerate things that you don't necessarily want to do but you kind of need to do to get you somewhere and I think it's given me a bit more of a um yeah a stronger mindset in terms of like keep keep pushing pushing through rather than just sort of giving up at the first hurdle um because life's not easy Rug <laughs> rugby's not easy um and someone explained it to me before really well and it was um imagining it was your first day at rugby and no one briefed you as to what the game is no one's told you anything and they just say right run and tackle that bag um you're probably gonna think I don't know what to do I'm gonna get hurt I don't know where to start and you know you probably when you do it as well you're probably then gonna go in bracing slightly so you're probably gonna go in and get injured you're probably not gonna know what to do um and you're probably going to not give 100%. Whereas I think if you were to have the knowledge and the reasons and, and why, when you go into that tackle, you're going to see yourself go through it. And I think it's a bit like life. If you sort of don't take everything with you and learn, you're probably going to brace for, for impact, probably get injured or not look after yourself. Whereas if you you know what you're doing and you're prepared and you visualize it and how it's going to happen. You know, you're going to go through the tackle and you're less likely to get hurt in the process, even though you're probably going to go harder. So I think for me, I've always, always sort of had that vision of um, knowledge is power and, and health is power and, you know, imagining visualization, all of those things um, can, can be the difference if you get hurt in life and, or you keep pushing through. So, yeah. Sounds sounds like and and you brought it up um there's a generation today that seemed to be a little bit um <laughs> of a give up isn't there a buzzword for that probably yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'll leave that one your own imagination probably. um but yeah i mean gaps, yeah well, we <laughs> lee and i are a different generation and and there was and i don't know what it was perhaps it was just that we were kicked out by our parents so so maybe it's our generation that's pampered the the next generation to 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 perhaps not push them to like we go back to what you were saying about your parents um they were scared and, and worried about you going and playing rugby but and and they could have stopped you they could have said you know what actually no it's too dangerous you don't want to get in hurt you're not going to do that because for whatever reason but they actually let you go and i think mm 
probably there's a failing on our generation that hasn't let our youngsters go enough we talk about you know when we were kids we'd go off on our bikes and not come back till it was dark and we'd jump off stuff and climb up bales and and all the rest and then we stop our kids going out because well it's getting a bit dark or bonus where you are and i don't know i don't know well i think folks have got a lot to answer for to be honest (laughs) there you go yeah no there, there is that i think like I was probably one of the last generations to grow up without phones. (laughs) So like when I met up with friends, it was to like play and hang out and do sports. And like, I'm, yeah, I'm 26. So I'm not like old, but when I talk about things I did as a child, it makes me sound old because it's nothing like the generation that are growing up now. Like we, we used to have rollerblades and go out like around the cul-de-sac and stuff and we'd get chalk and like draw along the whole cul-de-sac we'd have street parties and literally made like a bucket on string with my neighbor and we'd put stuff in and pull it I'm like that sounds so old-fashioned but that wasn't that was only like 12 13 years ago it wasn't like as long as people think but now like you're saying with phone people are are grown up with everyone's opinion of them a lot of judgment a lot of fear a lot of wanting to fit in a lot of this is where I should be um social media not being real realistic as well as a huge part of that people saying what they see looks real and they're aiming for that and it's not reality so there's a lot of a lot of that as well I think people grow up too quick um and yeah I, I think a big part of that is as well is um there's not as much tough love um and I think as an as an adult I'm still learning to be a bit more like tougher with myself like no Amy you will be okay like you're not just because you feel a bit anxious today doesn't mean your world's ending like because sometimes if I do feel anxious I think oh god am I going downhill whereas it might just be you're just having a bit of a rubbish day and you need to like just keep like actually no I'm not gonna I'm not going to take this as like fact. I'm going to push through and, and then you're okay again. So um, I think there's a balance, a balance where things are more t- talked about and more open and then um, still being a little bit more like harsh with yourself as well. So I think there's a, there's a balance in life, but I do, I do think rugby teaches you a lot of those values, which is good. I, I agree. I mean, that's, that's really, that's why we started the pod, podcast in the first place, because um, we, I know personally with, with my kids, um, and I know Lee and I have talked about this before, and, and Jay, our vastly younger other co-host, um, we've talked about the fact that um, there's always going to be anxieties and there's always going to be worries in life. There's There's nothing wrong with anxiety anxiety is is a built-in um aspect of our mm. being that tells us that something needs addressing and yeah. if we weren't anxious then everything's fine and dandy and no problem something's going to sort blindside us at some point but that anxiety and I've, i spoke to my boys as well when they said oh you know i was i was feeling a bit anxious or whatever okay well there must be something that you need to address you need to focus mm. on it you need to to tackle it head on get it sorted in your own head and like you said if you don't know how to play rugby then you're not going to be able to hit that tackle bag with any confidence or skill and you're probably going to hurt yourself there's anxiety right there but if you go actually i've got to hit that tackle pad the tackle pad 
-hmm. Let me figure out what I need to do. Let me address it and let me hit it head on with confidence and some skill. Then anxiety sorted. Yeah, that's it. Like you still got to do it. You still got to hit that thing, but you can choose if you're going to let it hit you or you're going to push through it, you know? So it's like, and everyone knows in rugby, like if you're more confident with your tackles, you're less likely to get hurt (laughs) even, you know? So I think it's the same, like you're saying in life, if you're saying, right, either way, I've got to do this. (laughs) So it's either I do it with confidence and smash through it or I let it sort of just happen to me. And, and it's like, you forget you're in control. And I think a lot of people think life's happening to them. And it's like, no, you're, you're in control of, of how life happens to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can choose how to take it. It doesn't mean it's easy. Um, if anything, when you're having more control, it can be slightly harder, but at least you, it's going to be you making those decisions, you know? Um, because also if, if it was fact that, say, for example, um, you have a fear of heights, if that fear of heights was like a fact, that means everyone would have a fear of, of heights. Mm-hmm. So you know that it's not the heights that's the problem. It's the way you're thinking about the height that's the problem. So I think it's taking responsibility. It's me that is making this. So it's me that can also change this. And I think that's a, a, a mindset that, I'm always implementing and trying um you know and still in life I can find myself thinking quite externally and then I'm like actually Amy that's not happening to you that's the way you're thinking about it so it's a good thing that helps me keep on track and something that I've learned even just in my adult years I love that thank you so (laughs) what do you hope people get from rugby that they can use in their daily lives I'd say um it's that acceptance and not to change who you are I think because in life you're always trying to mirror you you know I should be more like my boss I should be more like this person who's doing really well I should um be be where my brother was when he was my age by this point and I should be earning this much and and I think you constantly compare yourself to other people and I think rugby is very much like celebrates everyone's different and it celebrates there's a skill you can have for for whatever you bring to the table. Um, and I love that like a professional women's athlete can look like a size 16 woman and you're like, that's a pro athlete. So, but maybe not the world's interpretation of what an athlete looks like. And I love, I love that they don't have to change who they are because the way that they look and the way that they are will help them massively with elements that other people won't be able to hit if they look different. So I think it teaches you to embrace who you are, embrace your your body type, everything like that. And um, yeah, just realize that you can give something no matter, no matter what stage you're at. So um, that's what I love about rugby, really. I like, I like to say, uh, and I've said before, um, with regards to rugby, we can't all play the same position. So embrace yeah. the fact that you're different because being different helps you fit in so yeah you know embrace it and 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 do something with it it's all about writing your own story isn't it really you know Mm. me i'm gonna you know i'm gonna put my mark on the world if you like yeah in the way 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 that i can you know and that doesn't mean you have to conform to what everyone else thinks 
You know, you mm-hmm. just get on, get on, do your thing. You know, and as James said, the, the beauty of, of the game is the fact that you know we require people of all shapes and sizes. You know, different, mm-hmm. you know, with, with all sorts of different skills, and that's what makes it so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thank you. For yeah, that. I love it. And that's when, like, I do think it's quite fun, like, when you're, when you're out on, like, a rugby social and it's like you'd never put these 16 people together, <laughs> but these people are together and it's yeah. just, it makes, like, the best memories and the best nights out because it's, like, so many different people <laughs> together and it just works. And, um, like, you're saying everyone's got a story um, and a reason why they're there. And, uh, yeah, it, I like the sort of people who you get at rugby are the sort of people that maybe didn't feel like they fit in and stuff. So it's it's not the misfits. It's like these are the people that can now feel accepted in something. But at the same time, it's like when you all come together, it's just I love it because it's like I would never maybe meet these people through any other situation in life because when do you ever have a moment in life where you can meet people like in that in that setting? So, yeah, I love it. I think and every rugby club have, has its quirks and has its has its different people and I love it. <laughs> cool. Love that. Um, what we got now, Lee? Um, Amy, what advice would you give to anyone thinking of taking up rugby? I'd say um don't be don't be scared of it, first of all. Um, like you're saying, anything can happen to you at any point in life, in any sport, in any in any moment in life. So if it's injury holding you back, like again you can't wrap yourself in bubble wrap in life. I'd say go for it. Um, you, it's kind of like something that you'll do for the first time. And I don't know if you've had this for like, if you get a new job and you get off the phone from like the job offer and you're like, ee! it's sort of like jumping around. Like, you know, I feel like once you've done your first session of rugby, it's like, ah, I can't believe I just did that. And like, I'm proud of myself. I did this and I did that. And you come away like buzzing. And I think that feeling you just can't, by and I just say like give it a go um and yeah it's it's one of those things that you'll just cut you'll leave buzzing from and you'll leave with 50 new friends that are all going to check in on you and all going to see if you're okay and um you know if you if you're not there at training someone's just checking in on you you've got a lot more support around you um and who says you can't have a cool hobby in your 30s you know what I mean who who says that you have to be living life to a certain way and I think do something different do something for yourself um and just just try it out great advice um to be honest with you I mean we both Lee and I still try to grace the the pictures often we as we can when we're in our grace did you use the word grace then did you fall fall and pick each other up again and then fall again on the pitch but um i mean on a on a wednesday night i came down here i come down here with um our vets uh touch game which is the the fat dads you know and we've got all ages um mike's in his 70s yeah, yeah. um and and it's just it's just such a fantastic place to come and, and just run around at, at a stupid age um yeah. then we've got you know we've got the minion youth and out here on a sunday morning you can't there's two pitches out here and you can't see the grass for minion youth running around on it all the time <laughs> um but the only thing that we really are struggling still down here and i'll put this out to everybody so we're still struggling to get a really good number of uh, girls and women down um to create yeah. a, a women's game most most of ours are going up to Ringwood, Nellingham, and yes, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Swans, and that mm-hmm. to try and try and 
play play good competitive rugby, but uh, I can see it coming. Um, we're starting to develop a bit more of a, a of a youth girls team uh, um, down here, but yeah. Well, certainly with some of the work that you're doing, Amy, you know, to put the word out there and uh, spread it spread it far and wide, even on platforms that I don't really understand. Yeah, yeah. But of course, <laughs> everyone that seems to be younger than me understands it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, you know, people like yourself that, that, that are doing that. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. That can only help to, to, to grow the game. Um, and as James said, you know, what we at our club, you know, we have uh, my, my daughter is involved as well. Um, but uh, we, we have a number of girls across the four age groups, um, but we just need need more numbers. You know, it's, uh, it's it's difficult when you know when you've got sort of you know five or six girls out there to try and do something meaningful with them. And I'm sure that yeah. they're, out, they're out there. The girls are out there that, that want to play. Maybe the hurdle is just like as you said, just getting over that first training session. You know. Yeah, I do find as well. Like sometimes what I try to do with my content and what I'm trying to do with the future of my content is take rugby out of its environment because if people aren't going to come into the rugby environment find where they're at and where they're hanging out and what they're doing and take it to them and I think rugby is probably one of the only sports if you look at football football's in the music industry in the art industry in the food industry like it doesn't matter football's in any creative hobby passion niche and it's sort of like take rugby out of the rugby pitch environment and put on like a boot camp class a circuits class and just get like part of the exercises when you're doing squats is you're holding a rugby ball and it's like take rugby out of its environment um you know doing like little workshop days or getting guests guest coaches down for the day or special like live q a's after training i remember we used to do um we used to do like a, a carb loading uh, session and where it would just be like we'd all pay five pounds and like the local um like takeaway thing would just set us all out a meal so it'd be like half an hour of training and like an hour of eating food and just having fun and people used to bring their friends down to that that sounds so. better actually that's not what yeah that <laughs> <laughs> that's not for you you've already signed the, signed the line now oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah i think so it's like taking rugby out to the environment like the same um with universities and schools and I think part of what I'm looking to do with Canterbury in the future is taking athletes into like assemblies and talking to them about rugby and and like just showing showing rugby off for what it is but to people that might not access it because their parents don't play their friends don't play so um yeah I just say look outside of the of the box slightly with with that and the people out there they don't even know that that's what they need yet but that's the, that is one of those things it's just finding the right right space to do it um and like you said the clubs that are doing well are doing very very well but the clubs that are looking to start are battling kind of with the fact that the clubs that are doing well have taken <laughs> a lot of the numbers um so it's kind of it's kind of um it's hard to, but once you get that started the growth happens quite quick i think it's the the start to like 10 15 and then it will be like new people all the time because people are like we're getting more people out of this so um yeah so i think it's, it's keep persisting and the people are out there they will they will come um but yes try something new with it i love that that's so inspirational because i know as a you know, in business i 
grew up there you know when i first started in business there were no mobile phones um i think at best we had a fax machine everything was slow and complicated and and you had to set up formal meetings send letters blah 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 communication was difficult but i know that today we're communicating over uh whatsapp in a whatsapp everything's a whatsapp group um and in another five or ten years time it's going to be snapchat or something like that when the, the the young workforce that are still in college and school now are going to be coming into business i still don't know what snapchat is so that's going to be a difficult one but it's but it's like you said about taking it into taking out of its rugby out of its environment mm. listening to you talk about the fact that you've taken rugby onto tiktok and instagram and and the fact that you've had uh, a group of girls that have messaged you and said because of what you're doing we've gone to our school and said we want a rugby club we want a rugby team here and they've created something like that's just the most inspirational thing i i can't remember how long um and it must make you properly buzz to feel that you've actually you've you've done that you've you haven't just been a rugby club and gone come on everybody come down to our rugby club you've gone actually i'm going to go out and spread this and sow the seed and look at what's happened from it amazing yeah no it is incredible I got like I've actually got a post on it somewhere I was just trying to find because I screenshot some of the messages that I've had from girls over the time and um they there was that was just one example but I'd had like 20 30 messages from the similar things of girls that have seen my content and started playing rugby or have gone back to rugby because of it or have started started playing rugby in their schools and things like that as well um because yeah honestly it was it was great for me to see because at the time you don't really know who's watching and if it's gonna have an impact um yeah make a difference recently found your tiktok and straight away followed you um seeing this has really proved how much um, of a genuine person you are also inspiring I've been playing girls rugby for a few years and now I love it so nice to see other women so I don't think that people really saw other women playing um, saw your video about mental health and rugby um, and how it's impacted you in a positive way I play rugby myself and still struggle I'm trying to reach out for support um, it's made me realize that I'll feel so much better and happy again if I start playing so these are sort of the messages I've got um, an inspiration to girls and women community. Rugby has been a big part of my life since I was young, but I haven't played recently. But seeing your TikToks, I've just joined my club again. So there's and there's just loads of loads of messages from there. Um, and yeah, can you give me advice on my rugby position? I, I want to get better. Um, stuff like that. It's just so nice, and I'm like, that's why why I do it it's to have those young girls message and be inspired. Um, and you know, there wasn't really people that they could look at in the space. Um, so to be able to start that, and I actually, I did a story on my Instagram the other day, just saying, if you're creative, you're, you're, you quite enjoy videos of being in front of camera, like just start creating content around rugby because we, there is brands that are reaching out to a lot of our creators and, we're all in a WhatsApp group <laughs> and um, there's moments where we, we haven't been able to take on the work because there's been so much. So there is space in this industry for more women and more girls to come into it. So if you're thinking about working in rugby and you want to interview Sia Khaleesi or, or Urban Exabirth or whoever, or you want to 
um, you know, be at the Six Nations with, um, you know, all the girls there and stuff. It's like, just just start filming yourself and go out and do it. Book a ticket to a game and hang out at the end, see if you can ask them five questions and just start making some videos because the industry is crying out for more people. And I think I could probably count on like one hand how many of us there are and we get a lot of requests. So like, it's not something we're precious about. We're like, please, like, let's get more people into this. Um, and there are a lot of young girls. And if you've seen like Frankie, um, she's, I think it's called uh, that rugby girl on hers, but she, she started, get, she's brought a microphone now. She started interviewing people. Harlequins hired her for the day as a junior um, presenter. So, so this is what I mean. People are jumping on someone that's just willing to do it. Um, Loose Heads also um, paid for C Camilla and Frankie to come down to a game and to be the presenter for the day and interview players. So there are brands that are looking to, to see the next generation move into this space. And it's not something... I'm not going to be cool forever either. So I do need younger people to come in and do this. So, um, yeah, like we've created a new career path, I guess, for, for women and girls. So get into it, get involved. I always say as well, um, I've had a few people message saying, how do you do it? And I brought them with me for the day um, and they've just come with me um, and just shadowed really. So again, if people want to do that, message me, like I, I'm up for I'm up for anything like that. And to receive messages like that makes it all worth it. That's brilliant. That's really cool. Fantastic. I'll pass that on to my daughters, actually. They'd, they'd love to do that. So, yeah. You know, yeah, they can come with me. Yeah, <laughs> Is there a club they support or? Uh, well, um, they, they we're sort of stuck in between here because we've got um, uh, Bath about two hours away, Exeter about two hours away. Yeah. Quinn's about two hours away so <laughs> so yeah so we sort of end up splitting ourselves into into those sort of uh, three areas really um yeah. but I suppose out of all of them we probably go to Bath the um the most often um and then and then and Quinn's quite a lot as well so but uh yeah mm -hmm. no I, I'll um I'll, uh, I'll I'll give that Shout to my yeah and uh a lot of the um, a lot of the prem prem men players when I was at the Premiership launch, they said Bath had the worst changing room in the prem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, they probably do actually. Yeah. They deserve it too. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, I think um, time has beat us. I just want to say thank you. It's and I was so excited when you when we finally managed to get this date sorted because this is this is exactly what we have been trying to do with with be more rugby we've we've been trying to get uh, a promote the game firstly but also promote the the benefits of of rugby to to everybody all ages all creeds all sexes all all everybody um so it's been a it's been a real joy to have you on plus it's something that i mean i dabble in this it's 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 so not what i know to do I'm just I'm out trying to spread the word. Lee's been brilliant in co-hosting as well. Um, Jay also uh, with us. Our social media is run by me, who obviously know a lot about social media, but it's it's just about getting that word out there. So to to have someone like yourself on, that's really championing rugby, um, especially um, for the youth of today, because hey, we don't appeal too much to the youth of today. No, but... no, no. But to appeal, appeal to the youth today to try and revive rugby as a whole, men's, women's, everything. Um, but to get people in so that they get that benefit, that health benefit. And 
if there's some things that I'm going to take away today, I mean, for a start, you talked about you know, how rugby's given you that, that ability to, to get out of a dark place. It's helped you with your, your mental and your, your physical health. Um, I've got so many notes down here already, but um, just to listen to you talk with passion about how it's helped you, um, what it means to you, and how you are now spreading that word to help others uh, in the word in the world. I mean, say others, millions of people that are watching your videos. Um, but to get the response that you've had with 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 young girls saying, you know we've taken your advice, your inspiration, and we've gone and done something. And now look, we've got, we've got a rugby team. It's absolutely inspirational. So thank you for that. Uh, for me, I think it's really about the positive exposure you're giving the game. You know, um, as I said, I don't know much, a lot about the whole social media thing, but you know, I know enough to, to understand the numbers. Yeah. And you're, you're clearly reaching lots and lots of people, you know, and you've got an incredible story as well. You know, it's not, it's not something you don't know you know you know about what you're what you're, what you're trying to promote um and secondly the fact that you've been able to identify a niche you know within within the game you, you like and create yourself a job from it is fantastic you know how many people can say that you know that's 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 a, a great thing great no exactly nor me you know you know <laughs> so that's a fantastic thing to be to be able to do you know and uh you know there's very few people that can that can um you know identify you know with themselves and say yeah i've managed to do that i've created my, i've definitely created myself you know um and the other thing is i'm still gonna have to try and find my uh my niche before i go on tiktok as well oh yeah, yeah you're i'm not... not sure what it is at the minute no <laughs> no i've written it down a bit letters here so yeah, yeah. i'm gonna find a niche, find the niche. yeah and, and then i'll Try and find out what TikTok is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe start with find out what TikTok is, then find your niche. <laughs> I knew it was going to be the wrong way around. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, to be fair, like, I, I'm a very creative person. So before this, there was other projects, you know, that I tried to do. And I almost, almost see it as, like, someone that's trying to invent a cool machine and it keeps going wrong and then they finally find like the perfect combination and this was like my little finally found my niche after trying lots of different things so be persistent with it and um be confident I think the biggest thing as well is don't worry about how you look um to other people because I think um I know for a fact that I've had uh, negative comments online and in person when I started doing this and the same people are now asking me for advice so I just think keep pushing with it because you um, you know why you're doing it and it's not for the people who have got negative comments you're not going to try and change people's minds you want to gain new audiences and and get their perspective so push through those um, barriers as well um, online comments just again just keep going because then when you're standing there interviewing some of the world champions, it's sort of, it's like, okay, let's, let's like leave those little comments about, Oh, it's cringe and whatever. I think you have to just go for it and start it. So just be confident and keep pushing through. But, um, and this, what you guys are doing with the podcast as well, just keep, keep doing it because this is the sort of thing that the rugby space needs. Um, you know, you'll be listening back to these podcasts when you've got your, 
75 girls at, at your club you know so it's 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 keep keep pushing with that and um yeah getting the word out there because any any way we can push and get the word out there is is better so yeah i love it there we go it's all about getting knocked down getting back up getting your eye yeah. on that try line and supporting those around you and being supported don't stop absolutely all about resilience brilliant love that word fantastic well i think we've come to an end but um just want to say to everybody that's listening hope you're enjoying um i'm never sure whether i should have done this at the beginning but if you like what we do like it follow i don't know on whatever it is you're listening um drop us some comments if you want to be on the podcast or if you've got comments about the podcast give us a a message on the social media stuff or send us a fax (laughs) (laughs) or send us a fax um lee will pick those up but lee's our um our fax media um (laughs) consultant so yeah lee when when you get when you get tiktok lee i'll be your first follower fantastic yeah i'm always nervous (laughs) i'm on instagram now and i'm always nervous about pressing the wrong buttons (laughs) you never quite know what might happen do you know (laughs) just don't like a picture from like five years ago (laughs) there you go so everybody thank you again um Thank you, Amy. You've been an absolute joy and an inspiration. Thank you, Lee. Uh, again, you've been just Lee. Myself, what, what can I say? Not, you've not been Lee. Really. Um, and to everybody that's listening, till next time, be more rugby. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, James. Thank you, Amy. It's been fantastic chatting to you. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having me.